Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. And today we're looking at a couple of depth guys, but two depth guys who aren't your normal depth guys because they're in the conversation. We're going to look at uh, Micah McFadden, the linebacker out of Indiana, and quarterback Tyrod Taylor. Justin, we're going to start with the quarterback, though. This is the first time we're doing the backup QB since 2019 with Daniel Jones on player profiles and projections. And Tyrod Taylor comes in at 33 years old, six foot one, 217 pounds. Signed this offseason. Justin, he's a very capable backup who won't lose you games and can make enough throws to put points up, even though he's an inherently safe player. His contract is two years, $11 million. 2022 cap hit, 2.7 mil. Next year's is 6.9 mil with 5.5 in dead cap, then a void year after that of $1.4 million. Justin obviously brought in to be the backup to Daniel Jones, who has been injured uh, the last four years if he go back to college. But his contract shows that he's brought in maybe more so to be the bridge to a 2023 draft picks if things don't work out with Daniel Jones. Yeah, Bobby Skinner, my philosophy with adding backup quarterbacks is I basically that's a resource and that's a spot where I really don't want to spend any kind of valuable assets on. Um, especially but, for a rebuilding team. Especially for a rebuilding team. Um, for a team that's not really vying for you know a division title, Super Bowl, anything like that. But then you look at the interesting situation that the Giants are in with their quarterback room. Daniel Jones has gotten hurt every single year. Um, and I think, honestly, if the fan <laughs> – seeing what happened last year, if the fan base would have just been really, really pissed if Daniel Jones goes down this year and then we're in a similar situation that the Giants were in last year where you have a quarterback out there who just can't keep you – in games. So uh, Tyrod Taylor, I think, is a necessary evil that isn't a bad thing to have on the team this year or especially next year, because he is going to be on the team next year as well. And I think that's a lock. And, and yeah, well, I mean, the contract is set up for next year. I mean, the, the contract is essentially three times what it is this year for 2023. And it's not like, oh, well, you can get out of it. No. You would if you cut him, you'd have five and a half mil of dead cap, and you only save one point four mil. So he is on the roster, two thousand twenty-three. Um, you know, if you if you asked us, like more likely to start week one, two thousand twenty-three, Daniel Jones or Tyrod Taylor, my answer would be Tyrod Taylor. Same here, um, because you know he like it seems like he's been brought in to be the bridge for you know eventually Joe Shane and Brian Dable getting their own quarterback. Uh, and, and again, unless Daniel Jones proves them wrong. Um, after they declined his fifth-year option. So um, I think for backup QB with the conversation, for us as a fan point of view, we're with the Giants forever. So I, I think that, like, my point of view is, like, I for rebuilding teams, I don't want to invest in a ton of backup QB because if your starter goes down, your season's probably lost regardless. Like, you're, this isn't a team that's probably going to make the playoffs anyways. But from the front office coaching point of view, I think – they wanted to put a more emphasis on it because look at what happened with the last regime. Yeah, you can argue that if Tyrod Taylor is the starter here, I don't even know if we win one more game uh, than we did with Mike Lennon. Like you can argue, but it would have looked a lot better, and possibly Joe Judge would have his job still. Yeah, yeah. The the optics of it all um, certainly would have helped the last regime in that, and that's where like again my my brain as a fan, and I don't want this to turn into a backup QV conversation because this is a Tyrod Taylor conversation like my brain like I don't you know does Tyrod Taylor over Mike Lennon how many wins does he add I I really don't know but I what I want to do to give some props to Tyrod Taylor 
Uh, Bobby Skinner, you have a list of some backup quarterbacks across the NFL and comparing him, comparing those guys to Tyrod Taylor, because the Giants are in a good spot backup QB wise, and they have one of the best backup QBs in the National Football League right now. So okay, so we'll and then we'll we'll do this, and then we'll talk about his him as a stats, yeah. uh, you know, pros and cons of Tyrod Taylor as just a player. So I didn't count. I went through was like, okay, which teams would I rather have their backup quarterback? Uh, and I didn't count Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, or even Jimmy Garoppolo because those are just different scenarios. Those guys aren't brought in to be backup QBs. You know, they're eventually brought in to, you know, be the starter and then Jimmy G's its own scenario. There's only two where I would clearly rather have those guys, and that's Gardner Minshew with the Eagles and Teddy Bridgewater with the Dolphins. Those are the only two clear, like, I would rather have those guys as my backup QB um, compared to Tyrod Taylor. Do you have a bigger list than that? Um, Nick Foles, I would think about it with the Colts. Um, Taylor Heineke, I would prefer Taylor Heineke over Tyrod Taylor with the Commanders. Case Keenum, I would not prefer with the Bills. And Jacoby Brissett, I would also, again, I would think about it. But I do know Colts fans have gotten really, really mad at Jacoby Brissett. So I would say definitively, I would want Taylor Heineke. Um, I would add Gardner Minshew to that. And Teddy Bridgewater. So I would I put two more names on on that on my list. So Jaco- like a guy like Jacoby Brissett's in the conversation. Uh but I, but to me it's like okay I'm but I'm taking Tyrod Taylor. Like I have to I have to think about it for a few seconds, but I'm taking Tyrod Taylor. The other two guys who it's like I have to think about it. And I'm not exactly sure is Taylor Heineke and then Snoop Huntley with uh, the Ravens, uh, who you know played towards the end of last year when when Lamar Jackson went down. So the, essentially, at the most for me, it's it's four backup QBs out of twenty eight teams when you eliminate those yeah, three young absolutely. guys. So, I, like you said, the Giants, I I would take the, our backup QB situation over essentially, you know, seventy five eighty percent of the league. Yep, I agree. Want to talk about him as a player? Let's talk about him as a player. So I got I got some stats. Hang in here with me. So the last four years. So post the Buffalo Bills, you know, and obviously the last four years is his body of work. Last year with the Texans, started six games, completed 60.7% of his passes, 161 yards per game, five touchdowns, five interceptions. The one start versus the Chargers before his doctor uh, had malpractice and punctured his lung. 53.3%, 208 yards in that game, uh, zero touchdowns, zero interceptions. And then the Browns that year before Baker Mayfield took over on that Thursday night football game, three games started. He was very bad, 49.4%, 223 yards per game. Um, I didn't count the third start in the yards per game because he only had like 30. He was four for 14 at the half. Uh, Five and a half yards per attempt, two touchdowns, two interceptions. So that accumulates, Justin, 10 starts over the last four years. So in those starts, he's completed 56% of his passes, 163 yards per game, 6.1 yards per attempt, seven touchdowns, and seven interceptions. Those are bad numbers, but I do think Tyrod Taylor is better than those numbers suggest. Yeah, I mean, he's been on bad teams. I mean, the Texans last year were just a flat-out The Texans out were the only team. team that might have been a worse QB situation than the Giants last year. Yeah, and Tyrod Taylor does take a lot of sacks. Like, he just historically throughout his entire career just takes so many sacks and the pressure rate is high. But he also has played behind bad offensive lines. You know, typically if you have a bad football team, it's a good chance that the offensive line is pretty darn bad. And I think, you know, Tyrod Taylor's not played with some really good offensive lines. And Cleveland, you know, they were starting to rebuild a little bit. They're running the ball. Um, they didn't have Kevin Stefanski yet. So I guess, you know, the team was That was still- the year 
uh, Jackson got fired. Fred, I mean, Baker did play well that year. Uh, it was kind of like the played good versus good teams, not great versus bad, or or vice versa. Uh, you know, he set the rookie. In fact, two of the years where he got benched in 18 and 20, the guy he got benched for set the record for rookie touchdowns in Baker Mayfield oh. and, and Justin Herbert. So, we'll but, I, but again, I still think that he's better than those numbers may suggest. No, I, I agree with that. Let's talk about just the pros of his game. One, the arm. He has the arm to make most throws. Like he's not doesn't have some amazing arm, but he's got a a, a good arm, and he's going to make most throws out there. Uh, his mobility to escape in the pocket and get yards on the ground. It's fairly safe with the ball, but not afraid to take shots when they're there. You know, like he's not like overly safe, but he, for the most part, like he, but he he is inherently safe. But he's going to take the shots when they're there. Um, not perfect, but good accuracy and precision, especially on the deep ball and when in a clean pocket. Um, and then the throwing on the run could be a pro, a positive and a negative. It could be like amazing. Like, I can't believe he made this amazing throw on the run, but he also can have some really ugly, th- uh, misses. So again, those are the kind of the traits you look for in a backup QB. Like just, Hey, does he have the arm to make the throws? Does, yes. Does he have mobility to escape the pocket and get some yards on the ground? Yes. Is he going to be safe with the ball and not put you in harm's way? Yes. And then can he, you know, accuracy wise, is he not going to just be like God awful where it helps you can't run an offense because he's missing every other throw? Then I think that's the, those are the, the, the positives of Tyrod Taylor's game. I think he takes very good care of the football. Um, if you look at his adjusted passing numbers on pro football reference, or basically the higher a number is, like 100 is the average level. You know, it's like yards per attempt, completion percentage plus, touchdown percentage plus, interception percentage plus, sack, sack percentage plus. So if you look at those ratings, um, higher is better. So for interception percentage plus, 2015, 2016, 2017, respectively. It's 115, 117, 124, 2017. 2018, where he got some action, 100. And then last year, 2021, it was 77, you know, where he went two and four as a starter with the with the Texans. But relatively, I think he does a very, very good job of taking care of the football and not turning it over, which, again, we're talking about Tyrod Taylor as a backup quarterback. I think that can that has to be one of the best elements of your backup. Can they just kind of keep you in games and the way that I can kind of best summarize Tyrod Taylor as a player, I think he's going to keep the offense on schedule. He's not going to produce these explosive plays. I don't think he's going to flip the game script ever, but he can keep an offense on schedule, which I think, for, again, for a backup quarterback, it's what you're kind of asking that guy to do. Yeah, and I think this he's in a, a scheme that's going to be very friendly to his play strengths as well. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the negatives of his game. You mentioned it earlier. He creates sacks. Like there's, there'll be some nice plays where he, I can't believe he escaped that. But part of that is he'll create sacks as well when that happens too, where he doesn't need to happen. When he does miss, it can be ugly. Like he can be, he can have some ugly, ugly misses where the ball just, go, the ball f- goes high on him. If you go watch the Miami game last year and other games, when he's facing pressure, he seems to break down a little. Like when he's like facing legit pressure, it's just things break down. That's where he, that's where the mistake, like the, you know, where the, he doesn't take care of the balls that that's where the misses come from. Like that's where, um, where, where you see it. And then on the flip side of a positive is he can be too conservative at times. Yeah. Being too conservative is one that gets me, but all what's really strange to me, Bobby, is that he has the critique of holding onto the ball for too long and taking those sacks. But then also he has the same critique at the same time that he's checked down Tyrod. And usually when you're checking it down, you're getting rid of the ball quickly. So 
while I'm sitting here actually talking about it, like those two realities seem to not make sense in my brain, which is crazy. Yeah, and I, I just think it depends on like, well, is he facing pressure? Yeah. What is the like, you know, the play What's design? The play call? Yeah, you know, when when it's like, hey, this is a high to low read, and he, fa- you know, he faces some pressure, and it's like, okay, the checkdown's not as easy as a throw as you would have thought. He's in man coverage or something. That's where you can see, you know, the creating of sacks and then the turnovers that he'll have at times. But again, he's very safe with the ball. So, all in all, I think it turns into a a solid backup QB. And if Daniel Jones goes down this year. It's not going to be like he's he's much better than what we like much much better than what we had last year with Mike Lennon and Jake Fromm and I think he's better than Colt McCoy. Um, and then I don't even know if we count 2019 of having as a backup QB because it was Daniel Jones. But again, like you look at the last 20 years, if you get rid of 2019, and he's the best backup QB the Giants have had. Um, and the Giants were lucky to have very bad backup QBs besides David Carr and Eli Manning never went down. That's right. Um, I hate to be the whole, do we see Tyrod Taylor this year? So I'm just going to kind of leave that open-ended question to talk about, will we see Tyrod Taylor this year? Leave it well, like I'll that. I'll say this, only if Daniel Jones gets injured. Yes. So like, I don't, I don't really care about like, oh, like I don't, I don't want to have the, will Daniel Jones get hurt again this year conversation? Correct. What I will say is that Tyrod Taylor will play this year if Daniel Jones gets injured. If Daniel Jones does not get injured. Tyrod Taylor will never play, and he will never. There will never be a time where they are making a decision Tyrod Taylor over Daniel Jones. I agree with that because one, you want to play Daniel Jones. He's the guy you drafted. He's younger. Um, I think he's got better ability, and I just think he's flat out a better, better quarterback. Yep, so. I agree with that. All right, let's uh, read an ad, and then we'll talk about Micah McFadden, who's a very young, exciting player. You know what's young and exciting? Bear Burger. Bear Burger, they got something for everyone. Yes, even you. It's kind of like, a, you know, you, you go inside. I've, I've been to the Bear Burger in Westfield. It feels very modern, very light, very, oh, how do I how do I describe this? Contemporary lights. It's not too strong. It's not too dim. If you're a fan of vibes and if you like to pick up vibes from places, Bear Burger has some good vibes when you walk in. They're a burger joint that not the type to be bogged down by the labels. Their menu is filled with options for everyone regardless of dietary preferences. There's only one dietary restriction you'll be limited to. Food that's made to taste great. Elk burgers, ostrich burgers, bison burgers. You know the exotic burgers that they got. They have the best happy hour in New York City, 12 p.m. to 7 p.m., Monday to Friday. It's the best in New York City. So I want you to click the link in our description to find yourself at your favorite new happy hour spot, Burger Joint and Luncheon, Bear Burger Kitchen and Bar. Thanks for sponsoring these PPPs. Thank you, Bear Burger. All right, Micah McFadden, linebacker for the New York Giants out of the University of Indiana, was picked in the fifth round with a third pick of it. Six foot one, 240 pounds. Justin, he was drafted over Darren Beavers, but put behind him on the depth chart. Now, Darren Beavers is out with a torn ACL, so he's currently the first guy off the bench uh, after Blake Martinez and Tay Crowder, and he's going to have a role in this defense. It's a position every year with the fourth guy at the beginning of the camp is going to get playing time. He fits the wink defense where you can move him all over the uh, all over the place and bring some pass rush ability. Um, will he be able to hold up versus NFL offensive linemen is really the question for him in the run game, but he was a very productive player at Indiana. Uh, definitely, like, <clears throat> when you talk about day three, or even day two picks, like Micah McFadden was the most fun to watch from uh, this Giants draft class. I think Daniel Bellinger, you look at him as 
the best value or you know maybe the most uh the best day three pick of this draft class but I think Micah McFadden is the most exciting one like you just turn on his tape and you turn on his film and how fast he is how explosive he is how hard he hits and just how he plays the game overall I think he's the most exciting day three pick that the Giants had. You're going to maybe even argue exciting, maybe besides Wondell Robinson, uh, day two and day three. So Yeah, I enjoy watching. Now, obviously, Wondell's a better prospect than Mike McFadden, but I enjoyed watching Mike McFadden's film more. I, I like watching linebackers, so maybe that goes into it. But it shows up in his stat sheet. Last year, he had 77 tackles, six and a half sacks, 15 and a half tackles for a loss That's the year insane. before. 59 tackles, six sacks, 10 and a half tackles for a loss, two interceptions. And then even in 2019, 60 tackles, a sack and a half, nine tackles for a loss and two interceptions. So, I mean, his low year was having 60 tackles, two sacks, nine tackles for a loss and double picks. That was his bad year in college. He's a fast, agile, blitzing linebacker, but he does have strength issues. And that's really the biggest prerequisite to play linebacker in the NFL. So that's, that's worrisome. But as far as positive, his speed is really good. He has good change of direction. Um, works laterally really well with good pad level. Um, like he can be a gap shooting linebacker. Um, but I do think from just playing back, you know, from that stack position, not on the line of scrimmage, he just needs to play a little more aggressive because that's what's going to get him to be good in the league. I don't think he'll ever be the Mike linebacker, Blake Martinez role that you fill him in, but I do think he can be the weak linebacker where, hey, it's like, man, we want you to play fast, loose, and aggressive um, and play like, you know, play like your head's on fire. Yeah, plays like a madman and a psychopath. Uh, you know, you, you always you always go back to your draft notes for when you do these PPPs and uh, plays like a psychopath. And I, I I'm a sucker for when I you know watch these interior linebackers and you know I I don't consider myself the most sophisticated football scout out there. Uh, but if you play if you play like a psychopath, especially on the interior linebacker, and you can flow sideline to sideline, that's going to be a guy that I'm I'm going to really enjoy watching you play. So I'm very very excited for untouched pressures that. Micah McFadden or even sacks and QB hits that Micah McFadden is going to have this year because he is going to be used as a blitzer. And I think that is going to be the most amount of times that we're going to see positive Micah McFadden plays and we're going to clip up those plays is those untouched pressures or if he's just fighting through blockers to get his hands on quarterbacks and trying to impact plays that way. Well, I also think he's going to create those untouched pressures, maybe not get them uh, or sacks or whatever, but create them like he's a he's. You line up in the line of scrimmage, he's fast and agile. So what does that mean? He's going to shoot a gap, and he's going to open the hips of offensive linemen. So that what is that going to do? That's going to set it up for stunts. That's going to set it up for when Kayvon Thibodeau's working outside in, the guard's not there to help because Michael McFadden just put a move on him. Um, like That's the kind of stuff in the pass rush, and I think they'll align him all over the field. They'll line him at, at edge at times, not as just like playing that true edge spot, but just to give uh, the offense a different look, and then you can put him out in coverage. Uh, so there's that. But weakness overall, and this is what worries me about, like will he ever be just a good linebacker in the NFL, is the strength, like size and strength. And at the end of the day, your main role as a linebacker is – Fitting up versus the run game, taking on blockers and being able to deconstruct those blockers. He's good at, hey, he's good at shooting those gaps and slipping the blocks, um, and being aggressive, but you can't do that every single play in the NFL. Yeah. At some point, you gotta go head up, you gotta face a guy, you gotta attack his shoulder and be able to not get, uh, pushed back or, op- or, and open the hips of those guys. And that's my worry about Michael McFadden is, will he ever be able to find a really solid role, um, 
without being like like we have been I find a really solid role and get better at that. Yeah, you watch his highlights and you watch you know the uh, the Big Ten Network does a pretty cool job of putting together like fifteen minute highlight <laughs> highlight uh videos on their players. No one and, better than the ACC Network though. Uh, no no one better than that though. But um. It's rare to find a clip where Micah McFadden is fighting through a blocker or facing some kind of adversity, whether it is at the line. You know, it is basically just him just shooting those gaps. And in the NFL, you're not going to have a ton of those like you do in college where you're just, you know, free, a free rusher, free free runner, just getting a hit on, on a running back. So um, got to work on that strength, bud. Coverage-wise, um, he gets his hands on guys in coverage and reroutes when he's in that shallow zone, plays with good instincts. And then when you put him in man, I think he's got the speed and agility to run in the hip of, of whoever he's facing in man coverage. Linebackers don't necessarily, don't really cover tight ends anymore in man coverage. Um, don't, you know, they do in zone, but in man coverage, you, you really line him up there, but you face a tight end. Like I think he's got the speed and, and the, uh, uh, you know, change of direction ability to stay in the hip of those guys. He's not going to be, you know, like a safety where he's making plays on the ball and stuff, but he can at least shut down the progression. Uh, and then you put him on a running back. I think he'll do just fine yep. uh, in, in all areas of that. All right. So day one comparison, who do you think is further ahead? Micah McFadden or Tay Crowder? From where Tay Crowder was in his rookie year to Micah McFadden, where he is right now. Ooh. That's tough because I know Tay Crowder was taken as Mr. Irrelevant, but I was shocked I know you, that he was taken him. that far. Yeah. I, I liked him. Um, uh, I think you're gonna. I think you're leaning Tay Crowder. But here's the thing: is it depends. Like if you put Micah McFadden in that role that Tay Crowder had in the 2020 Giants, where it's like, hey, we're not doing light back boxes. We're playing gap responsibility. You get to play next to Blake Martinez. I can see Micah McFadden making more plays, but I might I might just lean Tay Crowder because I do trust him taking on blocks, even though he's not great at it, a little better. And I think Tay Crowder can play fast and aggressive when given the green light to as well. Yeah. But Tay Crowder's not gonna have like the Tay Crowder's not gonna have the pass rush ability that Micah McFadden has. Right, 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 right. But I think, you know, down and down out consistency, you look for how can you be as an interior linebacker and not necessarily as that pass rusher. So I honestly I'd probably go Tay, yeah. I would go Tay. Like I would go Tay. I think Tay was further along in his rookie year than where Micah McFadden is. Now, obviously, I'm saying that based off of watching Tay Crowder's rookie year and then watching just two games of the preseason for Micah McFadden, but I am still gonna lean that way. And I am glad that there's at least a little bit of depth right now with the interior linebackers. Yep. So, all right. Anything else on Michael McFadden? Um, two years as a team captain at Indiana. He has a very, very large neck. Um, and he wore number 47 for John Lynch. Um, but he wears number 43 with the Giants. Shame. Who's number 47? We've had this conversation in the draft. Who wears we 47 for us? Who is 47? I could check very quickly right now. I could check very quickly the Giants app. And then go to the team. I'm pretty sure we have a 47. Number. If the guy not, that likes John Lynch is the guy you like. Oh, it's Cam Brown. Cam Brown. Ooh, he might not be able to get that 47. No, tough. Maybe Cam Brown can switch it up. I, I doubt he loves. I doubt he's in love with the number 47. All right, that's a uh, PPP. We'll see you guys tomorrow with another one. We appreciate you. Until then, let's go Big Blue. <laughs>